Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, welcome back to Trot's Life and feature interview, feature chat of the day. I've been looking forward to doing this actually for some time. Ross Payne. Ross, how are you, mate? And whereabouts yeah. are you today? Uh, just at home recuperating from the operation. Well, we might uh, circle back around to that uh, towards yeah. the end of the chat, mate. Um, okay. And glad to hear you are recuperating. But yeah. tell us about what got you into harness racing. There's a few pains over in New Zealand. There's Grants and Gregs. And yeah. I know you came yeah. from over there. So tell us a bit about your childhood yeah. growing up. Yeah, they're my brothers. Um, yeah, I, I brought up on a farm. Dad, Dad was a farmer, um, dairy farm. Then he turned into cropping, but he always had a horse and work. He was a like an amateur trainer. It wasn't. It was just a hobby to him, and that's how I got uh, into the horses and love of horses. And I, I drove my first horse when I was eleven, and I knew that's what I wanted to be right then and there. And and uh, that's what I did. As soon as I left school when I was fifteen, I went straight into a stable, and um, and just uh, I started driving because you, uh, not like nowadays, like they can start driving at 16. I, when when I was young, you really had to do your apprenticeship, mm. and um, and um, like six months of just jogging, you weren't allowed to fast work one for six months, and then probably a year of fast work, and then a year of trials. So it was 19 before I got my race day license, and um, and I actually got it uh, quicker than. M- what I should have because I was at the trials one day and um, fellow was walking around the parade ring that I knew and I just went over and talked to him while I was walking around and I says, what are you waiting for? And he says, oh, Peter Jones hasn't turned up. And he said, can you drive it? And I said, yeah. So I quickly got my gear back on and uh, I drove it and he says, oh, it's real tricky to get away from a stand. And But I got it away real good and he was that impressed with me getting away because nobody can get it away. And, so he said, can you drive it at the race? I said, I haven't got my race there, Liza. So he rang me boss, and they rang Harness Racing New Zealand and, and granted me a, a probationary licence. Yeah. Um, and um, But but I I run third first up with that horse, and then I and then uh, 12 races later, um, not the same day, but 12 more drives, yeah, I won yeah. the first race. I won the first race, and then the next drive I won again, and, so uh, they granted me me proper uh, junior license then. So, so yeah. it wouldn't have been easy back then. I know talking to Lance Justice and Chris Elford, the concession driver claims, well, they didn't even exist for Lance Justice. And no. you had to just take on all these established drivers in the driving rank. So what was it yeah, like in yeah. New Zealand? This is uh, probably, yeah, with due justice to, it was probably early to mid-80s, I'm tipping. Yeah, it was. I, yeah, it was. I think I started driving in '79, and um, it, yeah, it was tough. We only had what was called junior driver races, just restricted for junior drivers. There was no concession claims in those days, and so um, you know, as soon as the noms come out, you looked at that, looked at it, and got straight on the phone and rang up the trainers and see if you could get on one of them. 
Mm. And um, so that went on for the first uh, year or two until I became the uh, you know New Zealand's junior uh, leading junior driver. And then I, I never had to ring up again. That I some days I would turn down sixteen drives in a race. You know, so I just took the pick of them. And um, yeah, so yeah, so I won the junior driver series. I beat Ricky May and Jimmy Curtin and and all the, you know some good drivers. And and um, yeah, it was good. Yeah, a different era, but you're the James Herbertson of New Zealand in the mid-80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah just, <laughs> just in the junior ranks, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was fairly well up in the open ranks as well, but uh, yeah, I was the leading junior. So at, at some point, you come to Australia, and I think, did Teddy Demler and Noah Alexander have yeah, some yeah. sort of role in this? Yes, was winning that um, driver's series, there was a, uh, the the prize was a, a two week trip to Australia, yeah. and I and I also um, went to a place called Helenstein's, it's a clothing place, and pick out pick out whatever I wanted to yeah, yeah. clothes, and they paid for it. But anyway, so I said I'll stay with Teddy Dimler because he was the leading driver at the time, and I said I'd like to stay with him, so I did. And um, Anyway, because uh, he was going to Cranbourne every Saturday morning to drive at the trial, so I got to meet Noel Alexander, and I actually drove a couple, a few for Noel at the trials, and he was he was very impressed with me, and he took me to the side, and he said, "What about staying and, and be my stable driver?" And um, and uh, and I thought, "Oh, geez, you know, I just I was so like at the top in New Zealand, and and I thought, how can I, you know, how can I?" do this and yeah anyway i i made it one big mistake i went and asked teddy i said what he thought and yeah. of course not thinking that well it's, it was going to cut his cut his cut his nose you know by um doing him out of the drive and he said oh no you don't want to be driving that oh. he talked he talked <laughs> yeah. me out of it but it was a it, it truly was the biggest mistake of my life because the opportunities that i would have got um when i turned it down he offered it to a fellow called Chris Alfred, and um, well, you look, you, you knew where he he'd gone to. So, so this so I'm is, not, I'm not saying I would have been a Chris Alfred, but I would have had the opportunity to get there. So, so this is what, like, well before Golden Rain. This sounds like late yeah. 80s. Oh, a long me. time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 90, yeah, it was 90. Yeah, I think I think it was 1980. Yeah, it was 1980. Nine. Yeah, yeah. Craig, Craig, uh, Craig. Was there? He was four years old. I'll never forget. Yeah, we're out in the stables, and a horse kicked him both barrels clean off his little trike yeah. bike, yeah. and the little bugger didn't even cry. He got up and just got back on his bike. I couldn't believe it. He probably landed yeah. on his head. It might explain a few things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I was down there as a kid too, Ross. We probably was you? Yeah, yeah. We dad yeah. had horses with Teddy all through yeah. you know the late eighties and early nineties. So. And I, I was calling the trials at Cranbourne through the 90s when you first bobbed up. So your name yeah. is familiar to me for a long, long time. So, But you, you end yeah. up at Knowles, though. You, end up, you went home yeah, and you came yeah. back. Yeah, well, I went back to New Zealand and, and carried on. And I went, Actually, when I went back after that driving, uh, you know, winning that series, my old boss, Ben Grice, who, you know, I just thought the world of, and um, he was... I think he was about 94 then. Yeah. He's still driving fast work, still just a great horseman. And he talked me and he said, you should be going out on your own whilst training. I says, I don't, I've got no interest in doing that. I says, I'll oh just stay God. with you, drive for you and freelance drive. 
Yeah. That's what I want. That's all I ever wanted to do. And uh, but he kept at me. He says, "I'm, I'm, you know, I'm telling you for your own good." Anyway, so he talked me into doing it. So I went went to the saddlers and bought a set of gear, and didn't have one horse to train. And then of course a big write up in the paper. Ross Payne going out on his own training. Well, I had 28 horses in the first week arrived. Yeah. And, and like I was on my own, and so I had to try and get some staff and more gear. Yeah, it was, yeah, jump right in the big end of it. <laughs> yeah, so, and then you end up coming back over uh, and work yeah, for Noel. Yeah, well, in the meantime, Noel always kept in contact with me and yeah. kept on begging me to come back, you know, and... Um, even though Chris had, you know, taken over as number one and, and, and Kitty had, had gone by the wayside then with Noel anyway. And uh, he said, come back and be number two driver, you know. He said, you'll still get a lot of opportunities. And and in the end, I said yes to him. And uh, I, I came over in 99. And, uh, yeah, it was good. I stayed there for three years, but I just didn't get the opportunities. You know, I was working hard and... And we were racing something like, you know, anywhere yeah. between 25 to 27 horses a week. Yeah. And, you know, I was lucky to get um, lucky to get five drives out of that 27. And I just thought it wasn't enough. And and then um, yeah, Gary yeah, Rogers. Yeah, you had a bit of success, though, with uh, a oh, gold crown. You know yeah, yeah, I won the gold crown with uh, Tramos. That was, that was, I think it was my first group one. Yep. And, um, yeah, it was a, that was a great trip. Loved it. You know, I'd love to get back there. I haven't been back. That was in 2000. I won that the year after I arrived. Oh, not even a year. I, I came over in August and I won that in February, March. I think. It would have been March. March, March yeah, March. So yeah. then Gary Rogers gets you to private train for a little bit and then... Well, no, just... not private train. Michael Hughes was his trainer. Yeah. But I, I worked for Michael and um, oh, yeah. and I drove, drove a lot of winners for them in the, the year that I was there. And... Um, but uh, going back to Noel, they had an owner, or one of their owners, um, Joanne O'Neill, yeah. um, Ladyship Lodge down at, uh, they bought a property down at Motawari, just past Geelong. Anyway, um, they contacted me and said that they were going, um, needed a private trainer, and um, they were setting up, and, and they wanted, because I drove quite a few winners for them when I was at Noel's. And so, I, you know, I thought this is a great opportunity, so I took that. And I was there for two years, and I, I came out with the best two-year-old in the country, Haishang uh, Gala, and another good horse called Haiye. He went to the cup class. There and, a... uh, yeah, I won about 480000 for them in, in two years I was there. Yeah, he was he was a very good horse, Haishang Gala, but he just, yeah. in the really big race, I know he won the Vic Bread as a two-year-old, yeah. but he just... He got terrible barrier draws and just no yeah. luck in those few. I think no. it might have been the Tatwa and maybe the APG. Yeah, yeah, he did. He, he got bad draws and he didn't have a lot of luck. He, he was a lovely horse and he, he had a lot of b- ability. And you you were breaking them in. You like him. You broke him in. You trained him. Yeah. You did everything with him. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've broken in a lot of horses over the years. And um, After I left there, I went to... Um, uh, you know, the flash place up on the hill near Geelong as you yeah, come down Patrick Marsh. Yeah, with all the, the white right. fences, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was there and I was breaking in and he were up to 150 a year there. Yeah. And um, and, and then I got a ring from uh, Gary Bailey. Oh, no, it was actually the owner, Rick, Rick Birch of Blitz and Calder. Yeah. And he rings me and he says, oh, I've got a yearling colt. He's broken Gary's arm, breaking him in. He said, but he, he needs finishing off. He says, can you do it? And I says, yeah, send him around. So- 
So I did, and um, and he was impressed with the job I'd done, and of course impressed with the property. And uh, he said, "Would you train him?" And I said, "Because I liked him when I broke him in. I, said, I loved him from day one." And um, and so I said, "Yeah, and yeah, it turned out it turned out the best trotter in the country." So, so your connection to Gary Bailey came through driving La Mosca. Yeah, yeah, I drove drove a lot. I think I won about sixteen races on La Mosca. I won the Redwood Classic, and yeah, yeah, and might have won the. I think it was either the a bar, a, a Mary Vars or the or the South Australian Derby with him. Yeah, he won a lot of a lot of races. There's a bit of irony here because basically the Redwood was probably the one that got away from Blitzam Cold a bit. You won it with La Mosca, yeah. so I suppose yeah. you covered that pace already. But he yeah. he was a, he was a really good two year old Blitzam Calder, and yeah. and then uh, we'll get to the three year old year in a minute. But just to have a trotter like him dominate, it must have been a thrill. Yeah, yeah, and it, at the time is when I had the, the my bad accident, probably the worst accident I've ever had. When it smashed my wrist to pieces. That's the one that Lance was in too, when he smashed his leg to pits. Yeah, and um, so I I couldn't drive at the races for a whole year, and um, uh, but when I could get back in the sulky, I was working him up, and um, and Lee Lee Sutton was giving me a hand a, a bit at the time. So I put Lee on him. He drove him at the start, but then the owner sacked him, and um, and then we got then we got Chris, yeah, Alfred, because um, he was my mate, and um, put him on, and um, I took him to Menangle, and Luke drove him up there for me. I was staying at Luke's, and he loved him. He said he's just a jet this horse, and I think he, he did. He broke. I don't know if it's been broken since, but he broke the track record there, up there. I don't. No, he didn't get beat up there. So all this journey, right, everything yeah. in New Zealand as a kid growing up and everything that's happened coming to Australia and you've got this trotter and you took him home to New Zealand to tackle the derbies over there. Was that, yeah. that must have been something yeah, very well, special. Yeah, well, from the time that I came over here in 99, I thought if I ever do train, I'd love to get a horse good enough to take back to New Zealand, you know, yeah, I was thinking more of the New Zealand Cup than I was uh, a Derby or anything. But anyway, Blitz and Calder was a horse, and and um, I took him over for the Derby. And flew Chris over to drive me, led, and just got pit by yeah. a bit. Yeah. I think it was a, I think it was a record run. Um, then I took him north. Oh no, he might have had the the um, what's those big races the. Um, it was pre jewels. Uh, the jewels, the jewels, yeah, yeah, the jewels. And um, Chris drove him in that, but he, he galloped at the start, but he went huge to catch the field. And you know, if he had tried it, he would have won. He just went enormous. Um, then I took him north to Auckland, and Chris couldn't come, so I was done with Tony Hurley. So I put Tony on, and he galloped with Tony. And Tony said, "Why don't you drive him yourself? You know, know him better than anybody." So. so I talked to the owner, and the owner said, I've been trying to tell you that for ages, driving so, yourself. So at this, so, at this point, yeah. Ross, right, you're in New yeah. Zealand. He's had, oh, I haven't got it in front of me, maybe six starts, yeah. and he hasn't won a race yet. You go into no. the great northern derby, and I suppose yeah. the trip in, you would have been disappointed and would have felt like a bit of a failure, so you jump on yeah. him yourself. Yeah, and... um well, that night he just trotted unbelievable and oh. just went straight to the front. And a horse called um, Royal Aspiration, Sam Swinsky, was driving him. 
he couldn't hold him and he'd come up, he had the first go at me and I wouldn't hand up because I, you know, having halls outside him, that just made it for Boots and Cool because he was just an out and out stayer. You know, he, he didn't have a, a 27 quarter in him, but he, he had every one in 28. And um, he, so that, that made it. Then he backed off. Then he, I, I watched on the replay, he took another grip and couldn't hold him, so he came up and had another go at me, then he had another go at me. And that's why we smashed the, the record by five seconds. It'll it'll take a long, long time for anyone to break that, break that record. So was someone in the back straight handing out white flags? Because as you were running that last lap, they <laughs> oh, just kept yeah. racing. The horses are just dropping off one by one, yeah. you know. And and, uh, and they were good horses. But oh, them, yeah. Yeah, Simone, and, you know, there's some good horses in it. Oh, and it, even he was tired in the home straight, you can see, yeah. but he was trotting away from him. I, yeah. That was the the absolute, you know, culmination. It felt must have felt like over, what, probably 40 years in the industry, everything you'd learned, yeah. everything you'd done, just went into that one great northern derby, it would have felt like. Yeah. It must have been a, a huge thrill for you. Yeah, it was. It was that and... Um, Winning the Breeders' Crown when Chris drove him, yeah. um, it brought, it brought tear to me, tears to my eyes because um, it was a bit emotional after what I'd gone through with the accident and and um, yeah, it was it was a great win, especially having my best mate driving him. Yeah, uh, even Chris, you know, saw me crying. He just about started. You there? Yeah, yeah. What yeah, about yeah. he? He goes on to win the Vic. Victorian Derby, which is just as big yeah. a thrill as the Breeders' Crown, no doubt, and the Vic yeah. Breeds. But where did that sit with it all? Oh, that was great too. You know, he, he went great that day. Chris just dished it up him and, and he ran away from him. And, and um, I remember Lockie McIntosh commentating that race and, and he said the rock star, he called him the rock star because he was such a, he was a beautiful looking horse. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen a better looking horse than him. And, because he was big, black, and, you know, yes, uh, being a cult, you know, he looked great. He was a good looker. So, 2014, about, you head home yeah. again to New Zealand? Yeah, when when I won that um, derby, uh, the Victoria, uh, yeah, Victoria Derby, Mark Purden was there, and he actually come down and seen me when I was giving the horse a walk around, and he said, well, he said, that would be the best-looking standard red I've ever seen in my life. Mm. But anyway... Um, um, he, oh, yeah, when I uh, took him after that to New Zealand and for the derby and then up north and then came back, um, and I stayed, I actually, um, stayed at Mark's for a little bit uh, on the trip and, um, and he was impressed with the work ethic and all that sort of stuff. And, And of course, then he offered me, wanted me to go back after the Breeders' Crown after I came back after winning the Great Northern Derby, um, to take over as foreman at his stable, and but I, I wasn't interested at all, and I kept turning down, and um, and because um, I had Blitz and Cooler, I'm not giving him up. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I I talked to the owner, and I said, what about letting me take him to New Zealand and train him over there? And, he was all for it for a while because actually New Zealand would have suited that horse because of the long distance racing, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot more than what he rows and yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but in the end, he said, no, he said, I like to, I like to watch him go here. And I said, oh, yeah. But anyway, Mark kept up in the, 
apart from the ante on me, and yeah. in the end, I just couldn't turn it down. It was just massive money, and so I talked to my wife and daughter, and and um, said, "What will I do?" And they said, oh, "You just you've got to take it. It's too big a money." And and so I, I went, and um, I it was good while I was there, but I I, did, I shouldn't have gone. I should have stayed here, but anyway, mistakes you make, but um. But I stayed there for about 15 to 18 months, and then I, in the meantime, I bought a yearling at the sales, and I was just working him up, and um, I had him at Grant's, my brother, and and um, so I'd help both both the brothers. Um, one would one would have the jogs done before I get there, and the other one I did the fast works first, and then he'd do the jogs after I left. Mm-hmm. The other one did the fast works there, mm-hmm. and then I thought I've got to I've got to have something to do in the afternoon, so. And that came about, um, I was at a mate's, a mate's place, barbecue, Gary Lawson, who was the New Zealand bowling champion, you know, outdoor bowls. And um, yeah. I said, get a beautiful house. I said, I says, Gary, your, your, your gardens are bloody shocking for the house, you know. He yeah. said, I know, it's my garden is useless. And he said, why, could you do better? I said, I'm sure I could. <laughs> he said, well, come around and do it. So I did it. And he was that impressed. And um, he said, "Listen, I've just bought a property up on the uh, in behind Princess Margaret, up on the hills, and and um, they re-gutted it, and and I had to do all the landscaping all again, and it was over seven over seven like seven stories, but not the house, but the the land. Yeah. And yeah. I lost about nine kg in the first three weeks working on that job, and it took me about three months to do it, but oh, it was be- beautiful, and they saw." He sold, I think he bought it for five hundred thousand. He sold it for about two point five million. Well, yeah. I've never ever looked at you, Ross, and thought you had nine kilos to lose. Where would you yeah. have lost nine kilos from? Oh yeah, I was I was I was carrying about eighty two then, eighty two k's now. Now I'm down to sixty four. Well, I, I was when I came out of hospital the other day. Yeah. yeah. Which so then you end up back in Australia, and there was a stint with Lils, and and now Chris Sinacio. Yeah, yeah, the two years with Lils, and then uh, and and then Snooze um, had to talk to me at the races one day, and I sort of dropped a hint that I I was interested in coming to his place, mm. and um, and he had to talk to me, and yeah, it's the best move I've ever done. He just he is just the best to work with, and his whole family are, you know, it's a it's a real family stable, and um, just love it there. It's just a great great environment. Um, you get thanked for everything you do, and um, just a lovely property. The horses are so happy there. Yeah. And have yeah. you given him tips on how to drive Queen of Quebec? I see she galloped again on Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no, he can work it out. <laughs> he certainly can. Now, yeah. things changed. You had a little bout of pneumonia. And yeah. tell us about this. Yeah, but, uh, it was about, I suppose it must be getting on the six weeks ago now on the Saturday morning. I was, I felt terrible and um, and clear um, clear pain ovulation. But she, one of Chris's big owners, and she comes and helps us two or three days a week. And she said, Roscoe, you look bloody awful." And I says, "Yeah, I don't feel too good." Anyway, um, uh, that was all right. Now I, I was going home that weekend, so I went home at lunchtime on the Saturday. I watched and I went to bed and. And I never sleep during the day, and I had five hours sleep, so I must have been crook. Anyway, I went back to work on the Sunday night, ready for Monday, and on oh, Monday I was terrible. And um, Claire was there, and, and I'd come off the track, and 
she said, I've made an executive decision. I've, I've um, booked you in at the uh, doctors. I thought, oh, that's good. Because <laughs> I wouldn't have done it myself. Oh, yeah. I'm stubborn and yeah. don't want to stop work. And Anyway, um, as it turned out, she probably saved my life. And um, Yeah, I had uh, went two days in a row on the Monday and the Tuesday. And the Tuesday was even worse again. I couldn't breathe. And, and she, the doctor was going to rush me to hospital or an ambulance then to Bendigo. And I said, can I go to Geelong, where I live? Mm. And um, the ambulance doesn't go that far. I said, well, my own, the, one of the owners is here, Claire, she's going home to Tarang and she'll drop me off on the way. Yeah, that's good as go. Get there fast. So I got there and and they found out that I had pneumonia and they put me on, I was in hospital for about five days on a drip and they wanted to clear that up. And they said that with the pneumonia, my heart was working overtime to keep me alive that it damaged my heart, which I already knew that I had a, a tightening of one valve, but I got it checked every five years and it was never, ever bad enough ever to operate on. And they said, but just keep a check on it. But um, actually, over the last year, I thought I thought it was getting worse because I was, uh, if I ever had to walk uphill, I was sort of running out of breath a wee bit. So anyway, um, but it, but the pneumonia and the heart fighting so hard, it, it did more damage and Anyway, the surgeon came around to see me when I was in there with the pneumonia and they'd, like, they'd done tests on my heart and that. And he said, dangerous is uh, 40%. He says, you're at 80%. You could drop dead at any second. And he said, we've got to get you up. You're category one. We've got to get operated on you as quick as we can. Yeah. And um, so, but he sent me home for four days while I was recuperating from the um, pneumonia because I didn't want to operate. They didn't want to put me out to it while I had pneumonia. So that, that sort of cleared up and I went back and then they operated on me and cut me up and went down the middle and and the surgeon said that um, the valve was worse off than they thought. And he said, you won't know yourself now. He says, he says you're obviously a workaholic. And I says, yes, I am. <laughs> and uh, he, I said, I can do 20 hours in a day some days. He said, well, you'll better do 22 now. So, yeah, yeah, it's good. Good at, news. At twice the speed. Yeah, yeah. You know, I have slowed up over the last few years, but I'll be right now. <laughs> have you told Chris if you're going to go twice as fast and twice as long, he's going to have to pay you twice as much? Yeah. I, I don't know about the pay, but he knows I'll be going twice as quick. <laughs> I don't think you should be, Ross. You're 67 right. years of age, mate. Yeah. You can just yeah. you can just potter along if you want. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's pretty, it, you know, it's full on in the mornings, but... Um, the afternoon's good. I, I get on the mower and help Alistair out, you know, Chris's uh, father-in-law, because Alistair McLean. Yeah. And he does a, he, you know, he used to do all the mowing, but I help him out now. I do I do probably 80% of it now. And, um, you yeah, know, I love it. I love the, love the mowing and, and look back at the whole property, how it looks. It takes takes about two to three days to do the whole property, but and the painting of the fences, I've done most of them. I've got a wee bit more to do yet. Oh, yeah. you haven't no. done all. You haven't done all the fences. I did a. No. I did a. I did a day there on the fences once, yeah. helping Chris. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I'll get the information when I get back. How long till you can come back? Oh, I, I, I'm getting better every day. My chest still hurts, so you know, from the the rib cage being cut in half, and so um, it hurts to breathe real heavy, or especially a cough, or. A, Laughing that she said it hurts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I reckon within yeah, three to four weeks at the most, 
very most I'll, I'll be back. What Can't wait. I, I miss work. You miss the work or the people oh, or both? Oh, I miss the driving. I miss the drive. Yeah, I miss the people. I miss the driving, uh, and um, I miss the work because I, I love work. I just it's not a it's not work to me. It's a it's a love. It always has been. It's, it's never been about money. It's it's, uh, it's my it's my passion. For me, I, I'm, I'm a novice. I've, I haven't driven many horses, but the thought of some a horse pulling with the chest being cut open sounds yeah. terrible. You wouldn't want to get on a on a puller too soon, would you? Yeah, no, probably not. <laughs> no, no, no I'll, I'll be right. No time. <clears throat> is there is there a race you want to win, Ross? Like a New Zealand Cup or something? Uh, no, I've never had real designs to win that. I, I remember doing a story for. Um, Big horse, what's his name? Hoss, Andrew you know, Bensley. Yeah, Andrew Bensley came out to Motawari and did a story on me on in the gig. And um and he said to me, Is there any big race you'd love to win? I said, uh, the Derby because my old boss being Grice won every race in New Zealand but he could never win a Derby. So I've always wanted to win a Derby for him and and um and I've ended up winning I think I've won three so far since since that interview. Yes, it's been good. Yeah, and mate, and one back home in New Zealand, that great Northern Derby. Just when I was doing my research and my prep, and I remembered that moment when you won that race, and looking at your life and your career, that Blitzem Calder moment is. It seems to me like it would have been the pinnacle, winning that great Northern Derby, and then. I know you've you've been a big part of the Harness family for so many years, going back to the early '80s in Australia, mate, and. I know a lot of people ask about you and uh, and how you're going and how you're travelling and I no doubt you've had a lot of phone calls and a lot of messages and we're, just, we're bloody glad that you you this has all worked out the way it has to be honest I know yeah. that's a hard yeah. thing to say when you've been cooped up in hospital but we could have been a lot worse for us. Yeah, I didn't uh, just for a stage here. I didn't think I was ever going to see another race and um, but I, I I come through it so and it's good. We got to get you back to win one more on what a Kevy. <laughs> yeah, and and, and I Maco rings me nearly every day because he just had an operation as well, and but he's all clear. He's no cancer, so he's he's happy. He's back having a beer and back with Kevy. I I reckon he might have had a beer between <laughs> between the operating table and and the uh, in the waiting room. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Ross. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing your story, mate, and look forward to seeing you back at the track soon. Thanks, Toby. It was great.